Hey. <laughs> uh, if you're a guest here with us, we're so glad that you're here. My name is Jamie Moore. Uh, I serve as associate pastor here, and we're starting a new series called Idols. Idols. So if you turn into your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, while you're turning there, I want to tell you about a board game that my family played literally last night. Um, it's a board game, and it has this dude on the board, and he has this red nose, um, and you have these tweezers. You know this game? It's called Operation. And you have these tweezers, and the tweezers are connected to the board, and they will close the loop if you touch one of the metal pieces uh, around these ailments. This is Cavity Sam is his name. I looked it up. I'm that much of a nerd that I looked up the dude's name. And you go in and you remove these ailments. Like the funny bone and the bread basket. And then if you see on that heart, do you see that heart right there? They call that the broken heart. And the game operation is fun. And, and my kids asked me to make sure that I report on who won the game. Uh, because in my family, uh, we have no issues with com- competition. We have no issues with uh, uh, being angry if we lose. Um, I'm being sarcastic, of course. I'm the main culprit because I did lose, actually. Uh, the, the girls, Jess and Bailey, seem to have steadier hands than the boys. We get a little, we get a little uh, anxious. So Bailey and Jess, we, we played two rounds. Bailey and Jess won those. I'm supposed to report that, so you all tell them. That I reported that in the service. But it got me to thinking, I have, a, I have a buddy, he's one of my really good friends, he's a pastor down in Atlanta, and in November he noticed something up on his neck. And um, he, he just started noticing it over Thanksgiving, over Christmas, and it was, it was getting larger and it was starting to hurt, and so he actually went and had it tested. And what they found was a, a tumor the size of an orange. It started in the tonsil lymph nodes wrapped around the jugular vein and was headed to the back of the neck. And I'm, I'm texting back and forth with Jeff, and, and this is what he said. They didn't know if it was malignant or not. Um, they have found out he had surgery on Tuesday. They found out on Friday uh, the results came back, and it, it was cancer. So now they're going to go through all of that um, to do scans and things like that. But I was texting him earlier in the week uh, prior to the surgery, and he said something in the text that shook me. And he said this, he goes, we don't know if it's cancer or not. And then he said this, Jamie, I want this thing out of me. Are y'all hearing me? He said, Jamie, I don't care if it's cancer or not. I want it out. It's, it's wrapping around my jugular vein. I want it out. You see, when we, when we find ourselves in a situation where something foreign is choking out life, it clarifies everything else in our life. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Once there's clarity that my life is on the line, once there's clarity, it gets crystal clear. And I say, I want that out. And this series is about the spiritual cancers in every single one of us that are choking life. Jesus is called the great physician. And over the next eight weeks, over the next eight weeks, the great physician is going to come. And if we will be open, 
He will come and he will cut out. The word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. He will cut out and by the power of the Holy Spirit will remove spiritual cancers in our life. So I'm calling everyone in the room. We all have idols and we need them out. Let's not play games. Just like my friend Jeff said, I don't know what it is. I want it out. That's the heart of this series. So let's pray. And then we're going after it. Let's pray. Abba, we thank you for your presence here with us. That you are a good father. You are kind and compassionate and faithful and loving and patient. And you are ferocious against my sin and the sin of the world. You are ferocious towards the things that I desire and consume and coddle that are killing me and my brothers and sisters. So, Father, I pray you will come. That you will help us see Jesus in all glory. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come and you will do this spiritual surgery in our hearts. So we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The goal of the series is this, for every single one of us to identify the current idol in our hearts, to reject that idol, to repent, and to trust in Jesus. That is the goal of this series on idols. So the sermon, yeah, there's the goal of the series. For all of us to identify, I'm going to read that one more time. For all of us to identify the current idols in our heart, reject this counterfeit God, and turn to Jesus, the great physician, for healing. Tim Keller, uh, a well-known pastor up in Manhattan, wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. And a lot of this is coming from his thinking on this. He quotes John Calvin as saying, Our hearts are idol factories. That's why that image that we have, idols, the O is a, is a human heart just spreading out towards all these other things that we think will satisfy us. So here's the sermon. We're going after 1 John 5. Here's the sermon in four parts. One, the command, 1 John 5, 21. Two, the world, 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Three, the good news, 1 John 2, 15. And then finally, as we prepare ourselves to take communion, we'll have the table. That's Luke 15, 11 to 24. So let's begin. The command. This is 1 John 5, verse 21. The command is keep yourself from idols. Let's look at the text. 1 John 5, 21. John writing to, uh, we don't know exactly who he's writing to, but we can surmise that he's writing to the same churches that he wrote to in the book of Revelation. So we're thinking Smyrna, Laodicea, Philadelphia. Uh, people and churches and, and uh, house churches that are engaged with him, with John. And he writes this, the last verse in this first letter of John. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. The Greek is an imperative. Keep yourselves. It is an imperative command to guard yourself, to protect yourself, to avoid, to keep yourself from idols. Isn't that interesting that he just puts that at the very end of the letter? Now, just so that you understand, these house churches would meet in someone's house, 
And, you know, they didn't have, like, the Bible or, like, an app to turn to it. So what would happen is they were like, hey, we got the letter coming from John. That letter's coming tonight. See you Tuesday. We'll have the potluck, and then we're going to read John's letter. That's what happens. So they gather together. They eat. They celebrate. They're with each other. They're praying for each other. They're seeing each other healed. And someone brings that one letter from John, and then they read it. And the last words from this letter, little children, keep yourself from idols. Not if you get around to it. Not if you want to. Not if you have sufficiently understood that they're bad. No, it's a command. Do it. Keep yourself from idols. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. You see, your heart is worth protecting. And when my heart is turned towards anything else but God, ultimately, that thing will kill me. And it will do the same to you. So John's goal is to exhort his spiritual kids. There's actually a lot of love here, little children. He's not condescending. He's saying, you're my family, you're my spiritual kids. And he's exhorting his kids to reject counterfeit gods and to embrace the love of God found in Jesus alone. He wants them to protect their hearts. The entire first letter of John is about warning against false teaching. There were false teachers, these Nicolaitans that were coming in and were teaching false things about Jesus. And then the other theme is love. He says, see what kind of love the Father has shown to us, that we are called children of God. We're to love one another because God is love. It's this idea of love and embracing the good news of the gospel in Jesus. So John is saying here, Your heart is worth protecting from false loves and false gods, from idols. So what is idolatry? In the Old Testament, we have a a primary example. It's the golden calf. You remember the people of Israel, they're in Egypt, they're in slavery. They are set free by God himself through a mediator, Moses. They're set free. They are exiting Egypt. They are up on Mount Sinai, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and Moses is receiving the law, and he's receiving the Ten Commandments. Do you remember what the first commandment is? I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And so Yahweh himself, the Bible says, is writing the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. And Moses is 40 days in the wilderness with the kavod, the glory of God, at the top of the mountain, receiving this law. Do you know what's happening down at the bottom of the mountain? Do you know? Aaron, little associate pastor, (laughs) is down at the bottom of the mountain. Sorry, Dennis. (laughs) That's good. Um... He's at the bottom of the mountain, and the people of God are saying, we don't know where this Moses is. He's 40 days, and that thing is smoking like a volcano. We don't know where he is. Where is our God? Aaron, associate pastor, we need you to take all of the gold jewelry that we have and make us a God so that we can worship. God can't write the Ten Commandments fast enough. And they're already worshiping idols. Are y'all hearing me? And then Aaron's like, I don't know. I just threw the gold in and out came this calf. That's a bunch of baloney. Anyway, so 
And, and throughout the Old Testament, that's just a major picture of idolatry. Idolatry is throughout the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, Paul begins to help us understand idolatry as exchanging glory. This is in Romans chapter 1. He says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So Paul begins to also show that this worship of a golden calf is also an exchanging of glory. So rather than honoring God and giving him glory and worship and praise, I exchange it for something else in this life that I think is better than him. And I begin to worship that thing. Do you know that when you come and have corporate worship and private time of worship, it's warfare against the enemy? Because I'm saying Abba is better. He's better than Xbox and social media. He's better than all of it. He's better. He's better than what other people think about me. He's better than my stuff. He's better than my kids and my wife. He's better. When you come to worship, you come to war. He's better. He's better. In the wisdom literature, we actually see, and Dennis is going to get into this uh, next week, I believe, that these idols actually bring destruction and death. This is Psalm 115, verse 4 to 8. The psalmist says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. So they were fashioning these uh, idols, these physical idols, and then praying that uh, God would come and fill that thing, and then they would worship that thing. He said, they're made with human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. He's saying, they're dead. Listen. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Let me me just make this real simple. An idol is death. And when I worship it, I become like it. That's what he just said. The the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what's idolatry for us today? Because some of you are going, okay, Asherah poles, Artemis of the Ephesians, come on, man, golden calves. Idolatry for us today is the same as the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it's packaged differently. Instead of Artemis of the Ephesians and Asherah poles, we have halftime poles. <laughs> we have... We have a poll for everyone to see. And before y'all start hating on me, I didn't like it when Adam Levine took his shirt off either. It's gross. It's gross. We have idols just like the Old and New Testament. Do you know that every 30-second ad during the Super Bowl was $5.6 million? That's where it's, that's 
for 30 seconds. I tried to do the math, but I'm not as smart as Dennis, on how much P&G spent. <laughs> 5.6 per 30 seconds. Tim Keller, fantastic quote, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. So let's get practical. Part two, the world. Flip over 1 John chapter 2 now. Because John is not just randomly out of nowhere just saying, keep yourself from idols. Oh, by the way, randomly I'm just going to throw that at the end. No, he's also been talking about it. So look at 1 John 2 verses 15 to 17. He's talking about the rebellious desires against God. Here's 1 John 2, 15 to 17. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Idolatry is loving something or someone more than the Father. You see it? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world here, he's talking about the rebellious structures and systems of the world that are against God. We're not to love those things. Remember, idols are anything that replace God as something that we love over him at the center of our lives. And in the text, we see three categories of idols. Do you see it? The first is the desires of the flesh. That is, the cravings of sinful man. Secondly, the desires of the eyes. That is, covetousness, lusting with our eyes. And thirdly, the pride in possessions or pride of life, boasting in what we have and what we have accomplished. Now, you should have gotten a handout when you came in. So everyone take that out. <clears throat> We're trying to be really practical and helpful in this series. If you look on the inside, <clears throat> you'll see idle statements. And there are 20 idle statements here uh, taken from Tim Keller's book, Counterfeit Gods. Look at the way he phrases this. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if... Number two, I am loved and respected by fill in the blank. Or I, life only has meaning, I only have worth if. Number four, I'm able to get mastery over my life in the area of blank. So all of these idle statements are presenting possibilities for us of putting our trust in something else other than Abba. And this is kind of like the enemy playbook. So we're trying to encourage all of us as a church family that as we walk through this series, as we walk through life, you have the enemy playbook. It's like knowing, <laughs> it's like being the Houston Astros and knowing the sign before it gets pitched to you. Do y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all not catching that reference? <laughs> or it's like being the Patriots and just cheating and everything, right? Um, but if you knew what the enemy was going to do, wouldn't you counter it? It's like knowing the playbook. So here's the plan for this series. Put it out here. 
Dennis and I talked about maybe we shouldn't put the dates up there so that when y'all look at the idol that you're currently dealing with, you avoid that one. But here's what we're doing. Here's the intro, February 9th, keep yourselves from idols. Next week, we're looking at the idol of comfort, pleasure, and sex. By the way, there's six idols that we're going to do, and two of them are per category. So those first two on the 16th and the 23rd are related to the desires of the flesh. Comfort, pleasure, and sex. Self-determinism and control. I have this craving to control my environment and the people around me and to control everything about my life. Then the second category, the desires of the eyes. That's the idol of image and approval. I want everyone to think that I'm good. The idol of consumerism and materialism. I need stuff and I'm looking at it. It's a commercial. It's $5.6 million coming after my heart. And the third category, the pride of life, boasting in what we have or what we have accomplished. I love work and achievement. I only feel like I have meaning in life if I keep rising through the ranks at work. And I will sacrifice my family and my kids to get there. And the idol of family and relationships. You know when you put those stickers on the back of the car about the honor student? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but sometimes that could become an idol. Y'all hearing me? Some of y'all need to show up March 22nd. (laughs) Including me. And then we're going to have a conclusion, replacing idols. That's the game plan for this series. We couldn't get all 20, and there's more than 20, so we picked these. And I feel like the Father is saying, this is what I want to do in MCC in this season right now. These are the ones I'm targeting. So we're going to go after it. We're going to be all over the Bible. We're springboarding from 1 John 2, but we're going to be all over the Bible. It's going to be a really, really cool series. One last thing that I want to say about this is, next slide, is idols are best crushed in community. Idols are best crushed in community. I'm I'm asking our church family, come and join us. Be together. Be open to the great physician. Take advantage advantage of community to see blind spots. You know, prior to getting married, I thought I was awesome. In fact, I was like, I'm a catch. And then I got married and I realized I'm an arrogant, selfish jerk. And I didn't see it until I was in community. Are y'all following me? Because see, when I'm by myself, I'm awesome. Because I don't have to be rubbed up against by anyone else. I'm like, I am amazing. Am I the second coming? What is happening? But when I get into community, all of a sudden, I start to, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm a jerk. She's a jerk too, but I'm really a jerk. You see, we have got blind spots. Dennis, Jamie, all the elders, every small group leader, everyone in this room, we have blind spots. And we are not going to identify them in isolation. So if you see the plan on the series, you're like, you know, I'm just going to get the CD. I'm just going to listen to it. I'm just going to deal with it myself. No, you're not, because that's called the idol of something. <laughs> Independence. 
You need family. Are y'all hearing me? So I'm encouraging us to be family and to be together in this. Idols are best crushed in community. And I just want to challenge you. Ask those in your small group, what are the idols that you see in my life that I can't see? And if you don't have a group like that, I suggest that you form one or you find one. And this is what John's coming. Love one another. This is what loving one another looks like. Now you're saying to me, Jamie, is there any good news in this message? <laughs> Let's go for it. Third part, the good news of Father's love. Look at verse 15 again. 1 John 2, 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Grammatically, this is an either-or scenario. He says, don't love the things of this world because you're not experiencing the love of the Father. There's no like middle ground. There's not, there's not like gray area. You want to experience the Father's love, don't love the things of the world. There's, a, there's an either-or thing. Jesus will say things like, you can't serve both God and mammon, the God of money. You will love the one and despise the other. There's no either-or. I mean, there's no middle ground is what I'm trying to say. G.K. Chesterton Every man that knocks at the door of a brothel is looking for God. Every man that knocks at the door of a brothel is looking for God. I could insert looking at, on that screen at that image. What our heart wants is the love of the Father, and we think we're going to find it in this image or this video. Are you all hearing me this morning? We think... That will give us the love and security and peace and joy that we want and are longing for. But that is only found in the Father's love. Jeremiah 2.13. prophet says, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Said, my people have rejected me, and instead they're digging wells, thinking that there's life giving water in there, and there's nothing in there. It's just mud, and they're just jamming in their face. When I've got living water. So you say, Jamie, how do I know if I have an idol in my heart? Here's a couple of practical tips. First, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. In your prayer time, just ask Him. Just ask Him. Say, Father, is there anything in me that I am currently loving more than you? Is there an idol in my life? And he will show you. I promise you he will answer that question. Secondly, ask community. I already talked about this. Idols are best crushed in community. And I, I, I don't want to skip over that. Because you may think, man, if I'm vulnerable and if I, if I say this is what I'm struggling with, they're not going to trust me, I'm a leader. No, leaders are vulnerable, friends. You want to be a leader? You want, you want to be someone that's, that people want to follow? How about be vulnerable and stop acting like Superman? Okay, that's a different sermon. Third, ask some diagnostic questions. And here's some questions. When my mind is free to wander, where does it go first? So if I'm just sitting there and I'm doing nothing and my mind just starts to go somewhere, that is a key, that's a, that is a really helpful hint to me. Where my mind goes is what subconsciously I want and I think will bring me peace. Y'all hear me? 
So it's a diagnostic question. When my mind is free to wander, where does it go? Two, when I'm stressed or hurting, where do I turn to feel better? Where will I go to experience peace? What I think will give me peace or think will bring me happiness. Where do I go? Another question is, why am I bored? Boredom is a classic signal. It's a tell that I'm trying to satisfy myself in something and it ain't working, right? That's why I'm bored. It got quiet in the room. What is at the root of my explosive or uncontrollable emotions? I was, I was in the grocery store and, and my kiddos were doing something. I don't, I don't even need to get into it. Kiddos were doing something, acting up, and I just exploded with frustration and anger. And it was disproportionate to their offense. Are y'all hearing me? Like, my, like they did nothing. But you'd think that they took a gun out and shot somebody in the grocery store the way I was reacting. It was disproportionate to the offense. And I stopped and I was like, what is happening? Why am I screaming at my kids? And I realized, oh, there's an idol there. I think that the people in the grocery store will think I'm a bad dad because my kids are acting up. And I care more about their opinion than the heart of my kiddos. And so I will lash out at my kids. Why? Because my idol was being threatened. This is why we lash out. Because the thing that I'm basing my life on is being threatened. It's being, it's being shaken and I can't handle it. And it's fear and anger towards that thing. Are y'all hearing me? So I'm telling you, if I have explosive emotions and I'm like, where did that come from? I'm telling you, there's an idol in there and you need to start searching it out. And, and can you see the destructive nature of that to my kids? When Jamie's running around with the idol of best dad on the planet. Just trying to get asparagus. I'm like, what, what are we doing? But when they're putting it in their eyes and doing it, you know, you know, whatever. It's like, what, what is that? Why am I responding that way? It's because my idol is being threatened, image and approval. Okay, what do I do once I've ID'd a potential idol? Counter the lie behind the idol with the truth about God, the Father. Two, understand the connection between brokenness and idols. We're about to do that. Third, reject, repent from the counterfeit God, the idol, and trust in Jesus. And then live out of your identity as a beloved child of God. Look at the handout again. We're going to have to do this quick. After the idle statements, we have some gospel truths about God. Here's some truths to counter these things. God is good, so I don't have to look anywhere else for my satisfaction. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. God is generous, so I don't have to hoard money or possessions. God is glorious, so I don't have to fear others. These truths to counter the lies of the idols. 
Now look on the back, and then we're going to see it up on the screen. We want to understand the connection between brokenness and idols. This is a simple gospel presentation that we use here. When you're sharing the gospel with someone, to help them understand what's happening in our life. It begins with God's kingdom over there on the top left. That God has created us to be with himself. He's a father who loves us and he has a design for our lives. And we run from him. We run from his purposes. We run from his love. And that's called sin. And that sin, which we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, leads us into brokenness. Top right-hand corner. Do you see that brokenness? That is a sense in which something is wrong and I know something's wrong. Something's empty and broken and fractured and missing and, and vacuous inside. I can feel it inside of me. What you're feeling is a desire for God's love and his kingdom. That's what you want. But what you do instead is to try to get that feeling covered, you go to idols. Do you see it, the squiggles? We go after other things. Maybe if I consume this alcohol so much that it deadens everything, I won't feel this way. But what happens? Springboards us back into brokenness, doesn't it? Eventually, that drunkenness will not satisfy, right? Fill in the blank on idol. But God does not want us left in brokenness. He doesn't want us left in this cycle of going for an idol and then feeling broken and then going for an idol and feeling broken and then going for an idol and feeling broken. He doesn't want us left in this category. He wants us back with himself, with his love. But we can't get to him because of our sin. So God has come. That's the third circle, the gospel. God has come in human flesh, God with us. He came and he died on the cross in our place for our sin and for our brokenness. And he was buried in the ground and he was raised on the third day as a sign that he has victory over every idol, every brokenness, my sin and rebellion. And the call is not to go after more idols. The call is to reject idols. Repent. To say, no, that is not what I'm going to satisfy my brokenness with. I'm going to satisfy it in the love of God in Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? So I'm to reject the idol and trust in Jesus. That Jesus is God in flesh and he died for me and he was nailed to the cross. He became my sin so that I could become his righteousness. So it is believing the gospel saying no to the idol and yes to Jesus that I experience him. (laughs) The only one who can satisfy. And then I get to recover and pursue because I still have thought patterns. I still have habits that are connected to idolatry and sin that now I'm recovering and pursuing and continuing to walk in the kingdom. Y'all see it. No one graduates from the gospel, friends. Uh, Let me just say that again. No one graduates from the gospel. Going to seminary didn't mean I get to graduate from the gospel. Being a Christian for 40 years doesn't mean you get to graduate from the gospel. Everyone, next slide, everyone needs the gospel. The unbeliever, if you're here and you're far from God and you have never trusted in Jesus, this is good news to you. This is what you need to do. Turn from what's not working and turn to Jesus. He died for your sins. He was raised on the third day. For the struggling believer, the one in the room that's just like, man, my faith is, is basically hanging on by a thread. I don't know why I had to show up to this church and now he's talking about idols. If that's you, I have good news. You need to repent, reject from counterfeit gods, and turn to Jesus. If you're the maturing believer who's growing, 
Guess what we grow in? Awareness of idols. <laughs> in fact, the more I call out for the presence of God and walk towards Him, His glorious light shines more on me. Are you hearing me? As I walk closer to Him and I ask for more of His presence, I am asking for more of His penetrating light to get more idols out of my heart. We don't graduate. We just keep walking. It's a never-ending process. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I'm looking at Jesus and I'm saying, you're better. And the Holy Spirit inside of me is changing me to look like him from one degree of glory. I just keep looking at Jesus. I keep saying, you're better. You're better. You're better. And the Spirit of God is changing me as I gaze. But if I'm gazing at something else, guess what I become like? Are y'all hearing me? You're better or you're better and I become like death. You're better, Jesus. Spirit, do your work. That's why when we come here and worship, we're going after Him. When I just sing in songs, just to blah, 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 we, we do the thing, and then finally the guy will come up and preach. No, he's better. He is better. Love the idol, become like the idol. Love Jesus, become like Jesus. He's better. Okay, let's, let's land it. Yep, the table the table give up <laughs> give up and come receive this is Luke 15 I just want you to close your eyes and listen to this story close your eyes and listen to the story by the way in the story you are the prodigal here we go and Jesus said told a story there's a man who had two sons The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between the two sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the life, of the eyes, the pride of life. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. (laughs) And the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost 
and is found, and they began to celebrate. The call this morning for every single person listening to my voice right now, the call is your face is in a pigsty called an idol. This is the call to come to your senses and go, wait a second, that ain't working. And then turn and walk towards the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. God the Father is the Father of this story. And He has sent Jesus to come and rescue us and bring us back. And when we come back to Him, Abba Father says, I'm going to set a table and we're going to eat and celebrate together. Because you were my lost boy, you were my lost girl, and now you're back. You had your face in idols. You were stuffing your faces with idols, but you came to your senses. You said, I'm going to repent. I'm going to reject. I'm going to turn to Jesus. And he puts a robe on our shoulders, the robe of royalty, not because we did anything, but because Jesus did it for us. And he puts a ring on our finger. You're part of the family. And he says, come and eat. Did you know that's what communion is celebrating? The reason you and I get a place at the table right next to Abba is because Jesus died for us. He became that brokenness for us. He died as Jamie's sin. Every rotten thing I did, Jesus died as. Are you all hearing me? So when I come to the table, I've exchanged my sin for his righteousness and I walk up to the table clean because of Jesus. So at the table, we're about to come and eat. We're taking the bread. It symbolizes the body of Jesus broken so that I can be made whole. And we dip it in the juice symbolizing the blood of Jesus shed spilled for me and for you. The call today is to leave the pigsty, walk to the table, and receive. Walk to the table and receive. We're going to have prayer teams, one over there, one over there. The band's going to, y'all can come on back up, guys and girl. I'm just going to lead us into a time of prayer. Every single person in the room has something to give up right now. And we got plenty of time, so we're going to take our time with this. Let's pray. Abba, we belong to you. Jesus, you are the older brother who has come to rescue us. You are the great king. You are the great creator. And you are the great redeemer who has died for his creation. And we say thank you. 
And Holy Spirit, you are the love of the Father and the Son poured into our hearts. And you are the great teacher. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our eyes. Open the eyes of my heart and my brothers' and sisters' hearts right now. That we will see the idol that is plaguing us. Brothers and sisters, just ask him. Say, Abba, what is it that I'm trusting in more than you? Just ask him. And then with that thing in mind, I just want you to say, Jesus, I don't want this anymore, and I give it to you. I put it at the foot of your cross. Cut it out of me and remove it from me now. And then as you feel led, I'm going to invite you to just come to the table. There's two rows on both sides of the table. As you feel led, just come. Come and eat and drink. Leave the idol behind and receive Jesus this morning. Come and receive.